Our reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then on to verse 9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. We come today to our seventh out of eight talks in this series, The Rooted Disciple. We keep saying it's based on this book, The Radical Disciple. I was sitting there thinking, no, it's not. It's based on the Bible. Isn't it? So today we're going to look at this passage in 1 Peter using some of the great wisdom of, of John Stott and a little bit of chipped in from me. But really, we're looking at the scriptures together this morning. So we've looked at how life should be for the follower of Jesus, for the disciple, that we're to be wholehearted, we're to be different, we're to seek to grow and want to become more like Jesus in every area of our lives. In the last two weeks, we looked very practically at that in, in terms of the environment and of living simply. And today, we're going to look at the idea of balance in our, in our priorities and, and how we live day to day. And so, in the reading, Peter uses several images to, to try and help the, the readers to understand what it means to grow as a Christian. And John Stott puts those into three pairs, hence the balance. So, I thought we'd look at those as three pairs together this morning and give you a chance to reflect on how you're doing and how I'm doing. 
So the first pair are to do with spiritual growth. And he said that we should be committed to our own personal spiritual growth like newborn babies in verse 2. But also we should be committed to playing our part in the Christian community and be concerned for one another like living stones in verse 5. So there's that idea when it comes to our own spiritual growth of the importance of the individual, me, that I take responsibility, but also that I'm part of a community and I have responsibility for each for one another. It's a bit strange that, isn't it, to, to compare ourselves to newborn babies. None of you look at all like newborn babies. Even the youngest one here can toddle and talk. It's strange to remember that Jesus talked about being born again. And Paul talked about us being new creations. So when we come to Jesus, we should want to be like him, but it takes time and we need spiritual food. Now who's at the center of a baby's world? It's obvious. The baby, isn't it? The baby is at the center of a baby's world. When a baby is hungry, it screams. I can remember those days and nights with our three children. You know, I can remember... You know, nothing will satisfy that screaming child until it finds the breast or the bottle. Some of you are smiling. You can remember that. I remember holding one of ours. Come on, Kathy, get the bottle, get the bottle. I don't know if you still do this, but you bring the bottle in. You have to make sure it's the right temperature by putting it on the back. You still do that on the back. Oh, nodding, yeah. It's too cold. You'll have to heat it up. There's no microwave in our day. So. <laughs> meanwhile, you know, a little baby scream. And as soon as you put that bottle in, it's like peace on earth, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful. The baby's only concern for its own need for sustenance. It's an amazing metaphor, if you, if you want to think about it, that we are to be like that baby. How I wish I had that same desperate desire to feed myself spiritually that a baby has to get physical food. I had that same desire to grow in knowing Jesus, in knowing and obeying the Bible, in praying, or whatever else it is that helps me grow spiritually. So I think Peter's saying we should give attention to our own personal development. But we're also living stones, he goes on to say. We're part of a human building. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ. We need each other to help us to grow. And all of us have a part to play. And so we should be committed to supporting and helping one another. I think we often struggle, don't we, to think that everybody else has got it together, but I'm not that important. I don't have very much to offer. But that's not how God sees you and me. We're all bricks in the building. And if that brick is missing, then the building is a little bit weaker. See, we can't all be upfront leaders and, and preachers or whatever, but we can chat one-to-one with people. And we can listen and we can encourage. And if I'm honest, I think I get more out of church and I've got more in my Christian life from one-to-one chats than listening to sermons. So after the service, that's something all of us can do, have a one-to-one chat, or maybe a one-to-one listen, rather than me wanting to share what I've got to say. Why don't we think, well, maybe there's someone in the congregation this morning I could listen to, and I could encourage and help them to grow. And last week, Bobby said, it's often, we often find it harder to ask for help than to give it. I agree with that. So if you're sitting there hurting, why not Seek out someone who will listen to you after the service. We'll pray with you and help you. We're a community. We need one another. So balance in this area. When we think of our own spiritual growth, 
we need to take personal responsibility and, and be like newborn babies. It's a staggering metaphor. <laughs> but also, we're to care for one another. We're in community. We don't have to do it on our own. So, how are you doing in terms of balance in that area? The second pair to keep in balance comes from verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, as chosen people, as a royal priesthood, we're to worship but also to witness. I guess many of us know, but in the Old Testament, only the priests could enter the inner courts of the temple in Jerusalem, and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, once a year on the Day of Atonement. And only priests could offer the sacrifices. Access to God was limited for the average Jew. But through Jesus' death, that's all changed. Now, every believer... Peter says he's like a priest with free access to God and able to worship him whenever and wherever. Listen to these verses from Hebrews. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That is a stunning and incredible truth. Can you imagine Moses reading that? Or King David, or Isaiah, or Jeremiah, one of the, anybody from the Old Testament really, reading that verse. They would be bowled over, absolutely amazed. We have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God. What a privilege we have as Christians. I'd encourage us all to take advantage of that and spend time in God's presence in worship and praise. But Peter said our worship should overflow into witness. Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We've got good news to offer in this broken world. But I really struggle to witness, and I think many of us do. I find it quite hard to speak in my faith. But I was reminded of a quote when I was preparing this talk that I heard many years ago. The quote goes, Witnessing is looking at Jesus and telling other people what you see. Witnessing is looking at Jesus and telling other people what you see. So I think we meet Jesus in worship and we tell of him in witness, don't we? Now, I know that all of our life is to be an act of worship. But perhaps just to simplify this into, to help us practically, perhaps we should look at how we spend our time in terms of balance. So if you think of the worship side, do we spend personal time with God? What about our devotionals? What about our fellowship with other believers? What about our corporate worship like this morning? Are we getting that in balance but on the other hand, what about our relationships and activities outside of the church where we can seek to share what we believe? Have we got that in balance? Are we spending too much time out there? Are we spending too much time, actually, just, if you like, in, with God's people? We need both, and they're interconnected. 
And I've made it very simple, and I'm sure you can come at me theologically and challenge what I've just said, but for practical purposes, I think it's quite a helpful way to think of it. Then the final pair comes from the verses 11 to 17, where Peter says, on one hand, we're foreigners in this world. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So on one hand, we're foreigners in this world. But on the other hand, he says, we're to be law-abiding citizens who acknowledge human authorities. He says in verse 13, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So we're foreigners, but we're citizens. And as Christians, we live in two kingdoms, don't we? And our first priority should be to the eternal kingdom of God. And there is a sense in which we don't actually belong here. This is not our permanent home. That will come when we live in the new heaven and the new earth. We're travelers, we're pilgrims. The idea of being a pilgrim was, I think, much a stronger idea in the church in the past. I think we should try and recapture it because it helps us a lot to understand who we are. We're passing through. And Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God. And we don't have time to explore it here. A couple of years ago, we looked at the kingdom of God in Matthew chapters 5 to 7 in our sermon series. That's the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 to 7 of Matthew. So some of you might like to read that just to get an idea of what it means to, to live by the kingdom values. Now I had the privilege of traveling and meeting many wonderful people. I've traveled to different parts of the world and experienced different cultures. It's been great. But I always knew I was not in my own culture. Always something that made me realize I wasn't quite there. Maybe, obviously, language, big thing like language. You know, what they're all talking. I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. Probably me. But, uh, but then other things like food, the greetings, the dress, the humor. I once was giving a seminar in Italy, and I decided to tell a joke. You know, what's the difference between this and that? You know, a very classic joke in English. Doesn't work in Italy. Don't do it. Spent the next 20 minutes trying to explain the joke rather than... <laughs> I learned not to tell jokes in other cultures. See, I could fit in so far, but I was always different. And daily life, because of that, was more stressful. And I always felt relief when I landed back in Birmingham Airport and I heard a Brummie accent. Maybe that's how it's going to be when we arrive in heaven. Not going to be a Brummie accent. I hope there are going to be some Brummie accents. (laughs) Well, there will be lots of other accents. But, you know, you get the idea, don't you, that we're home So in the meantime, we live here, but it's not our permanent home. So maybe there are some things, because of that, that we don't do. Some programs that we don't watch, some places we don't go, some conversations we don't get involved in. And Kathy and I have become aware of this just very practically recently. Some of the programs we watch on TV, we've stopped watching some of them because of the values and the kind of standards that they promote. They're not compatible for us with being members of God's kingdom. And we felt uncomfortable, so we stopped watching them. There's plenty of other stuff around. 
That's a personal choice. I'm not judging anyone else. I'm not going to mention the program so that you can't feel judged. It's up to everybody to make their mind up. But that's just one very practical area. And maybe you can think, where, where are there areas where perhaps I need to live more as a foreigner and, not, and make a stand and draw the line? But the interesting thing is, we're foreigners, but we're also citizens. Of, we're citizens of the UK here. Or maybe some of you are citizens of other countries. It's great. Now, in our country, we have freedom to protest, don't we? To disagree, to speak out. I'm not sure it's quite the same for those in Peter's day under the Roman emperor. But even so, they were told to submit. We are to be good citizens. We obey the law. We pay our taxes. We insure our car. We're honest. We treat others with respect. We behave. And Peter says our good behavior will silence those that criticize Christians. See, people can argue about whether Jesus rose from the dead or whether the Bible is reliable, but they can't argue with someone's example and experience. They can't argue against our good deeds, as Peter puts it. And in fact, Peter also goes on to say that our good deeds might actually make them acknowledge and glorify God. But sadly, the opposite can be true as well, can't it? And if we're known as Christians and we're dishonest or we gossip or we're lazy or disrespectful, that works against our witness. So, three areas to be in balance. In terms of our personal development and growth, take that responsibility ourselves to take steps to grow, but also we're part of a community. We have each other as resources and to help one another. In our worship and witness, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen people who are to declare God's praises. And we're foreigners and we're citizens. This world is not our permanent home, but we are to live well while we're living here. I'm just going to have two or three minutes and just for you to quietly reflect and think, is the one thing that God would have me do, perhaps with one of these areas where I need to... Perhaps I need to be more committed to my own personal growth. Perhaps I need to be more committed to community. Perhaps there are some things that I should stop doing or start doing because I'm a foreigner. Or perhaps I do need to go home and insure my car, whatever it might, or pay my t- TV license or whatever it might be. So let's just have t- just a couple of minutes where you can do that, and then I'll pray. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Father, we thank you so much. They're just incredible words. Thank you. That's true of each one of us. That's true of us together. And thank you too for those words from Hebrews. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship we have with you and the access to you. And thank you that your word is also very practical about how to live. And so please help us to know what you want to say to us from this morning, from all the different messages we've heard about being a radical disciple, that we might grow more like Jesus and might uh, reflect him in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.